0: What's up, y'all? Welcome to After Better on the Inside, a brand new addition to the Better on the Inside verse. Do you think that's maybe the best way to describe yes. it? Yes. Oh
1: no. See though, but that okay. implies like such a larger network of shows and like a 20-year plan or something?
0: <laughs> oh, that's what we just laid out. We laid out a twenty 20- we laid out a twenty year plan. Were you not listening to that? Uh we don't know what's happening in the next twenty seconds, people. I'm here with my co-host and guest. You get the distinct honor of being my co host and guest, Charlotte hey, Elliott. Hello, how are Charlotte. You? How are you? Good. It is good to have you back, not only on the podcast, but just back yeah. hanging out and it's chatting. Good to see you. Yeah. So the purpose of a show like this after better on the inside is kind of to do the after show, right? You've heard of the talking dead. You watch the inside the NBA halftime and pregame mm-hmm. and postgame shows. And so the after show is a very, I'm like you, the viewer, maybe not you, Charlotte. Um, <laughs> oh, there's always an opportunity to break it down to the next level. And one of the things that we've seen when, when we record podcasts is that people have questions and there's certain topics that like stick for people that they want to mm-hmm, go more tactically mm-hmm. in. And then going more tactically, something that Charlotte and I had a conversation about was the application to churches and the application to context mm-hmm. is very different. And so me as someone who works at a larger church on the larger side, our, my application might be different than Charlotte who's used to working with churches on the smaller side. Do you want to no, say something I think about that I mean, piece? I think
1: it's excellent. There's, I mean, there's resources that seem to be geared toward one or the other, right? And there seem to be a lot more resources toward the kind of larger church spectrum because they're able to use them. They have the resources to use those resources, right? And so for us to have the conversation then about, okay, well, what does this look like? And does this even work, you know, in, in these varied contexts, but how might we adapt them for success for, for all of us in our missions and ministries?
0: Yeah. And I do think it's important to identify, to like, just say out loud, like a lot of the world is geared toward Mm -hmm. the resource heavy. So, and what do we mean by that? Go to this conference, buy this thing, get this consulting, have your staff do X, Y, and Z. Right. And so resources don't just mean money. They also mean time and they also mean personnel and and all that stuff. And so in a smaller church context, a lot of times you mm-hmm. you are the staff, right? It's it's one person potentially or one person and some volunteers or a small staff. And so you can't apply mm-hmm. the things differently. And in the same way, larger churches have a ton to learn from smaller churches because of the focus mm-hmm. a lot of times and the the uniqueness of doing what we do well and sticking with it instead of trying to be mm-hmm. all things
1: to mm-hmm. all people. True. I think that's true. Yeah.
0: And so we get excited about that. And there's not enough collaboration between people across the church world. Like there's all these denominational barriers and there are just these like these context barriers. I won't even say size barriers. There's context barriers.
1: Rural, urban. Yeah, a big barrier with those small church people that I know, you know, because we're in the main line is there's some really great church leadership out stuff out there, but it's from people that we might disagree with theologically. And so then we don't listen to mm. the administration side of it that like we could steal stuff from, or use yeah. stuff from, but it's kind of like, Oh no, so right. doesn't affirm women or doesn't, you know, this and that. And so I don't want to hear anything from them. Mm. It's like, Yeah, but they're still managing to run this huge successful organization. Yeah. There's something there we can learn. So so let us go out and yeah. Sure. What we can do here.
0: Well, some conversations are like sunflower seeds. You gotta get the shell off to get the good stuff on the inside. And I think a distinct lack of better on the inside, hello. I think a lack of curiosity in Mm. all spaces as it relates to the church is a problem. And that is a barrier to collaboration, a barrier to us coming together really is Mm -hmm. like one body, one church, learning from each other and making the whole thing better regardless of where we are. I get fired up about it. Let's go. Yeah. And so part of of that context was just that, looking at it in a collaborative, curious kind of way and being able to leverage unique perspectives. And Charlotte and I are very different people. Don't know if you know. (laughs) Uh, but we 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 have some stuff in common, but we see things a little bit differently. So that's kind of what we're hoping to get out of mm-hmm. of some of this. So as my co-host and guest, let let me start with something that really seemed to connect to people, which is the idea of resigning from volunteer roles or mm-hmm. extra duties that you may have taken on during the pandemic. And so the full context was you kind of talked about it of, hey, you had this right. job creep that happened. And so I imagine there were people sitting there. I don't even have to imagine now the episode is out. There are people sitting there going, okay, like that sounds really good. right? Now what? Like, what do I actually do?
1: Gosh, you know what I really wish for those people is that pastors and heads of staff and those folks heard that and are checking in on them and starting that process mm. themselves. That the people who's, you know, are personnel yeah. committees or however that's structured in your particular congregation yeah. are the ones who are going, Oh, right. We forgot. <laughs> like, like, did yeah. we, we really mean to take them for granted, but they have been doing all of this stuff and we haven't moved stuff around and let's go check on them. That would be the ideal way that this happened. And to start a kind of process of looking at, you know, what was your job description in 2019? What are you actually doing now and creating it and seeing how the whole You know, church staff or volunteer structure might need to change, you know, but if you're a person in that role. And I guess I I guess I want to emphasize that, too, because you as a as a pastor, head of staff, executive, whatever, wherever you are in that, you don't want to lose this person. And you're gonna if this keeps Mm. going on. I mean, this that's just they're going to burn out, you know, if nothing else, it's not or they're going to like so many people in church work. Decide starting over somewhere else in another congregation where they're going to be able to start with new boundaries and be happy with those is going to be easier than having that conversation with you. And so they're going to do that and you're going to lose someone who's gifted, who's proved themselves during a crisis situation, you know, who's. Ultimately has proved themselves to be your ride or die, you know, right. I hope you're stepping in the breach right now and looking after that person and doing all you can to take care of them. And not just with the job creep stuff, but let's talk about some extra time off and whatnot because of what's happened, like real Sabbath and real break because we always thought like oh the end oh like in next month then here comes the vaccines and then here comes this and if we can all yeah. chill for like four yeah. weeks this thing's gonna go away and it's not it's still here oh so, so offering that it's not a gift it's what's fair and it's what's right but i don't I, how do you think you would i love that point <laughs> think, i love how that do you point. think you would approach that
0: no, that's good because let me and as you were talking, I'm like, oh, this applies mm-hmm. to beyond church work. I think this applies to almost every job. And so I think you're talking about this big picture concept of there's no such right. thing as post-pandemic. Just it's kind of become embedded, and we have decided as a society, and we sure. could argue about it all day. We've decided mm-hmm. as a society yeah, it's to a reality. That's what we've decided to do. And so We kind of need a reset right now. So as somebody who manages, you know, who manages people, whether you're volunteers or staff or you're leading an organization, like if you want to be a good and benevolent leader, I think part of what you have to assess is one, start with your job. Put your oxygen mask on before you put oxygen masks on others. And it would be, I mean, go as tactical as like listing all the things out, like take your job description if you have one, a lot of people don't have one if we're keeping it 100. But if you have a job description, start with that. If not, literally write out Mm -hmm. the things that you're doing and list it. If it would help you list the time that you're spending Mm -hmm. doing those things. And you might be shocked at how much time you're working. And that's like a real tactical. I mean, like I have a Google doc that my wife encouraged me to utilize, to be like, what work are you doing every week? Like it's flexible, it's around the clock and the around the clock nature of the digital world has added to when and how we work because you could work Mm -hmm. 24 seven, right? And so, but like really get tactical and list the things that you're doing and be like, whoa, I didn't know I was doing all this. You'll probably be surprised. And then as as a leader, use this as an exercise with your people as well. Just to like get it out there of what are the extra things that kind of creeped on the plate. And then what you might be able to do is just reprioritize those things of going, we can take this off the plate, right? We don't need to do, we stopped printing bulletins. Let's Mm -hmm. not print bulletins Mm -hmm. anymore, right? Let's just never do that Mm -hmm. again. Let's take it off the plate. Um, And that way, okay, we're changing a job so that we can create space for that. And that works, again, it works with staff, it works with volunteers, mm-hmm. it works with anybody. And if you're outside the church, it works with them too, of going, what are the extra things that got added to the job description and what are the things that really matter? And I think that's probably the most, Im- I-, I won't say the most important, but that is such a critical part of this is you're not just, don't approach this as, oh, I'm helping my people take things off their plate because for so many leader minded people that sounds like i'm enabling people Mm. to do less work Mm. and which we can talk about that but for my leader ish kind of minded people don't think of it that way think of getting focused on the mission and the vision of where you're going now because if the vision and the strategy and the tactics of where you're going in 2023 isn't different than 2019 You have completely missed the last four years. You have completely missed a dramatic shift in society, a dramatic shift in people, a dramatic shift in work, a dramatic shift in everything. So you really have to realign all of this. And in that realignment, people's jobs should be should be as focused as possible and moving that.
1: Yeah, I agree entirely. You know, I was listening as I was listening to you talk thinking about, you know, it's not it's not just the church. This has happened everywhere. Everybody's job, sure. everybody's home life has changed in some way because of this, right? Ooh, like, how cool on. it would be if congregations were actually taking the lead on this as far as from the top down, kind of setting precedent, talking yeah. about how we're restructuring, how we're going to set healthier boundaries. And then we're doing mm-hmm. workshops and meetings and offering things to their congregants as well, like those kinds of tools, you know, and getting ahead yeah. and talk, you know, talking about in the theological framework of, you know, the, right. the balance between a prayer life and work life, this Benedictine idea of orat at labora, you know, I mean, like, we yeah. have this in the yeah. tradition, right? Why we actually have... We this have is, we're not making this, up. To this yeah. right? And how those yeah. can inform each other and they make you a better whole person. And that the church has an opportunity here to step in and to offer those tools and expertise to talk about Sabbath, et cetera, where otherwise yeah. people are going to go to the wellness industry, you know, and talk wholeness. And, and mm. that stuff's good and fine. Mm. But like we have... Sure. Two thousand years of legit work and answers on these things that we could, we should be offering to folks oh. and preaching about and teaching about, you know, and changing whole communities that, is that way. Such
0: a good. That is such a good point, Charlotte. Because this is a mm-hmm. place where the church can lead. And there aren't as many places that the church can lead because the church right. tends to be a copycat, at least in the last like 30, 40 years. But this is a place that the church could lead because everybody needs this right now. Everybody needs somebody. And one of the reasons I say, I, I want to make sure that I get this. One of the reasons I say, start with yourself is if you start with your people that you're leading mm. and you don't change, um, yeah. you're going to be bitter. Mm -hmm. and resentful because all the stuff that comes off their plate, you're Mm going to feel like comes onto your plate. And so I think starting with you is actually an act of service to one, do the work first so that you can help people go through it, but to model it, model this health piece. Because part of what we've talked about is just the digital creep into society. There's no reason to have time off at this point. We were just talking about this before of like, it's a snow day here in Texas. And I, if you can't see me, because podcasting is largely an audio medium, I'm making air quotes. It's a snow day here in Texas, because one, we don't have the like the infrastructure to deal with freezes and ice and all that stuff. But my family's home. My wife's a teacher. My kids are in school. They're at home, so they have a true snow day. But right. I, I still work. There's, right. There's no more snow days in the sense that we can yeah. just work all the time. And there aren't a lot of natural barriers, like one of the, if I, if I might say one of the liturgies of work that people kind of have gotten used to is driving to the office or commuting to the office or going to the office, packing up, you know, getting set, then mm-hmm. packing up and going home. And that was like a natural barrier. And let me just speak to me, like during the pandemic, right. I didn't have that. And once that went away, I just worked all the time. It just bled into everything where I was just constantly working and constantly not working. There was like this weird thing in me of like, you got to, you got to do the work, you got to do the work. And then not realizing that I'm putting in 60, 70 Mm -hmm. hours a week sometimes. Oh man. There wasn't a point. There wasn't a big point at the end of that, except that, (laughs) except that digital creep, digital creep is a space that the church can lead people wherever they might work to reevaluate because we're living in a new space and Charlotte you talked wonderfully about traditions that can really help us with this.
1: Yeah. I'm we got to do it. We got to help these people. We got to help ourselves and help these people. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody's trying to sort out, you know, what's next? What is life like now, you know, under these circumstances? And Yeah. You know, I mean, I had a I had a job once where Like, my office email was only on the computer at the office. I mean, (laughs) that sounds... Mm. Yeah. You remember remember
0: those days? That sounds sounds antiquated. Okay, Granny, go back to bed.
1: (laughs) I only saw those emails when I showed up, you know, at that office. And at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. when I turned that computer off, anything that happened got to wait until the next morning. And now people people email me on the weekends you know or at 8 p.m. or whatever oh, and i'm sure. like you can schedule these <laughs> now at least do me that favor yeah. but yeah i mean it's <laughs> it's hard because it's not just you that has to set your own boundaries you're dependent upon other people to respect or help with those boundaries too but oh
0: it's a great point it's a great point all right. So if you're somebody like we talked a little bit about the leader perspective, okay. let's pretend we're not a leader listening to this and we're we're feeling like we don't have the agency to kind of make that change on our own. How can we potentially lead change from where we are to get a more realistic Reconsidered job description or you know roles and responsibilities.
1: Yeah, I think I'd start with the kind of idea. You know, is there a natural cycle? Do you have something coming up as far as annual review or contract renewal, or something like that, that gives an easier opportunity to get into that conversation? But I always start yeah. those kinds of conversations independent, really, of like the hierarchy, the natural hierarchy of the organization, with my advocates who are there. I mean, you know, those, Mm. you know, those people Mm. and, you know, and it may be likely a lay leader. It's always in all the churches that I've ever worked in. It's been matriarchs in the congregation, honestly. Mm. And to start there with like, you know, I'm doing all of these things. What do you want? What should I be doing? Here's what I want to do. You know, um, I'm underwater right now. And Mm. and kind of building a coalition there of of letting and letting see this is gonna sound sinister and that's not what I mean but uh, but, no
0: I love it I'm here for sinister sinister so much
1: as letting I
0: know I know
1: I have this perspective of letting the rumor mill work for me (laughs) it's a way that Mm. those Mm -hmm. people if I tell Anne something. She's going to tell the ladies at the garden club and they're going to tell the ladies over here. Yeah. And now I've got, I've got a crew behind me and it's not just yeah. Charlotte going to personnel committee or going to session. It's actually, there's all these people mm. that are on board and concerned about this and are probably, and probably are coming up with better ideas than I am about what's going to be fair or good or right to help deal with this. Of course, when I'm in a situation where, you know, I have a head of staff or someone, you know, I'd love to think that I had Mm. a good enough relationship with that person that we're just having an ongoing conversation and kind of staff meeting when we're checking in with like, what are we doing this week? What's going on? Let's look at our calendars and to, you know, talk about like, I can't actually take that on because I still have, Mm. blah 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 going on you know and Mm. to to really start to measure resources of time that way with you know if you want me to do that then i have to we have to make space for that to happen because this is what the current situation is but it's awkward and we don't like to do it and i think especially you know women and people Mm. of color people have been marginalized in other ways because we feel like we've already had to fight to get us foot in the door anyway and that would just kind of put up with things Mm. so we're allowed to stay you know um but you know you're worth it you proved it you proved it over the last couple of years so this is this is it like get in get in there and
0: uh yeah now (laughs) now you're preaching and i love it well because so I'll say two things. I'll probably say more than two things. But one, I love the way you're having the conversation of finding the advocate, mm-hmm. the people that are for you that can help you kind of sort through this and some of it is just we have become so allergic to mm-hmm. collective action and unified um, mm-hmm. responses that what you're talking about seems Machiavellian. Right. To some people. <laughs> like right and that's why you're like it sounds sinister. Well, I mean, it's not like overthrowing the government. It, it's it's just building, yeah, it's just building coalitions of people to be able to advocate. And, and that's collective action. It's also action. like that's a rehearsal, it right? Because I know yeah. that
1: if I've, I'm coming to a sympathetic right. ear first, right? And if that sympathetic ear turns and is like, Charlotte, no, like you are doing, we don't have any more money or blah, 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 blah. Then, okay, I know. I've got an idea of what the field is. Right. If when that sympathetic ear is like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. I'm going to tell everybody, you know, or I'm going to, I want to help with this. I want to get you this. Mm -hmm. Why haven't we been paying for this? That's been coming out of your pocket, you know, things that they didn't know about and Mm -hmm. now they're going to work on. Then I'm, I'm even more prepared for my talking points when I'm going to, you know, that committee or that, review meeting or that's something else, because I know that I'm being heard, right? And that I should expect then to be heard when I go to those other folks.
0: That's a good point. Also a confidence builder, right? Because I just want to say that's not gossip either. I think there are, if you're in an environment where leaders or folks that have your, that are have authority over your employment status, if they interpret something like that as gossip, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. run. Getting out of there is probably Mm -hmm. the best thing for you. And I know that that's a privileged statement to make, so I understand that. Like sometimes people, you got to serve in a place that sucks because that's the only way that you can work. But that does wreak havoc on your soul to work in an authoritarian environment like that. And it's okay to say it. And you'll find out at some point. And so when you're talking about marginalized folks, women, especially in the workplace, but people of color that have kind of been like, you got to do it twice as good. You got to work twice as hard. You got to do twice as much work and all that. That, That's kind of the attitude. The the sooner you can, in good faith, identify if people are for you or not, the sooner you're going to have clarity of how long Mm -hmm. you could potentially Mm -hmm. be there and so often charlotte this is the thing that i've learned in my career so often people leave organizations with yeah. things unsaid they leave they leave jobs they leave things having never raised their hand to say hey i think this is a problem and needing to say what they need to say and as hard as it might be to hear this one of the questions that you truly need to consider is how can people Mm -hmm. know if you don't tell them? And we can't assume that the people in leadership and authority know what's going on unless Mm -hmm. it's been brought to their attention. because I think it's easy to assign motive or be like, my leader doesn't care or Mm -hmm. they're they're doing this on purpose or blah, blah, blah. And sometimes people have proven that they aren't to be trusted. So I'm not saying that every leader is trustworthy, but I think for a lot of people, probably 60 to 80% of people out there, if you kind of raised a flag, you would you would know. And so you, there are times when I didn't want to say something to my boss or my senior pastor that unlocked a whole world of things getting better just because I raised my hand. And then there are some things that didn't, but at least I said my part and I right. have some kind of inner peace and- then you know. And then sometimes the you know isn't as malicious as you assign it. I'm a person that can assign malicious intent. But to your point, when you go to the, you know, you talked about the matriarchs, the advocates, they're like, oh, this is, you don't, you can't see the full picture because this is why you're doing all this extra stuff. You go, oh, Mm. I never thought about that. Right. And it makes more sense. And so raise a hand. And you will have to have at least a little bit of trust in the people that you're talking to, to, to really be like, Hey, this is what's happening. I'm working too much and there's too much on my plate. And like you said, addressing it in the right rhythms of monthly, yearly, whatever reviews or contract, whatever job description evaluations. And so if you don't raise your hand, you not only are not getting that for you, you're not being an advocate for anybody else in your organization mm-hmm. or context.
1: Mm. How do you fight job creep where you are? And I mean, not even just pandemic related, just like uh, in general. Like, I mean, you any yeah. of us could work 80 hours at a church. There's always something else you can do, you know?
0: Yeah, because the Great Commission <laughs> is not fulfilled. And it's we we work we work in a context where the minute our the great commission is fulfilled theoretically. It's like the world is over. Like, so we're not mm. done until the world is done. And so there's, there's no stopping. And so I think for me as a more like people, ENFP, Enneagram to like yellow, green people person, depending on whatever assessments that you're using. I'm just like such a like people-oriented person and very sensitive. So I'm coming from a very sensitive place. Fighting job creep starts with you. And a lot of the things that I assign that other people need me to do, I'm doing air quotes again, that other people need me to do, Mm. um, I'm putting on myself. And so the first thing I have to do is start with me. And then you want to talk about getting theologically deep, Charlotte. Why does work make Mm. me feel valuable? Do I have to be contributing something to, so again, going back, not to go to Enneagram, but like, I love helping people. And as a pastor, there's always people who need help. And so, but am I, am I seeking this out more work for myself to make myself feel validated and justified and important? And like, Mm. I'm doing God's work because if I'm doing that, there's no, there's no administration from my supervisor or anybody else that Mm. can stop my job creed Mm -hmm. because I'm creating it and Mm. I'm creating my job creed because I'm one of the way, not to go into a therapy session, but uh, one of the things that I noticed is that when I had an opportunity for rest, there are times that I would reach out to a friend that I knew that needed help Mm. instead of resting because I wanted to feel like I was doing something of value because I have to contribute something to value right. because that's where my worth comes from. Right. That's the lie. That's the lie. And just resting in my identity and who I am of going for me to be who God created me to be. It's okay for me to read a book. It's okay for me to take this Friday off. It's okay for me not to do X, Y, or Z. And so to me, fighting the job creep started with me. It started internally and my my relationship with Jesus of like you know what Jesus has got this he doesn't need me yeah to do this work and so when i'm fighting when i'm fighting job creep i always start inside and it almost always comes from some kind of insecurity um if i'm creating it sometimes our organizations are creating it but if i i want to i want to assess what i'm creating and what my organization is creating <laughs> and in my experience it's probably been at the worst, sixty percent me, forty percent them. And what if I just stop doing this? And I, because again, I'm also in a privileged position as a you know as a senior leader at a large organization that mm-hmm. I can say no. And I've had people people that are less experienced or you know not as high in the hierarchy be like, I don't feel permission to say no. And so evaluating whether you have permission to say no or not, and it is a test. It, like, you really have to test it out. And that can be scary for people. Test out if you have permission to say no. Say no to something and see what happens. And all all hell may break loose. But, but you oh, need yeah. to know if you have permission to say no. And over the time I tested it in the organization, like, I do have permission. And so I guess that's why I start with the internal reflection so charlotte what would you say okay so
1: i have a very kind of like a yes and and then kind of attitude to things so yeah yeah and it is it is a it's a way of saying no that sounds like yes (laughs) so here's here's what i do (laughs) because i'm southern and which is means passive aggressive ultimately (laughs) but uh, if somebody comes to me and like like is like has an idea for a program they want to start at the church right and they're like why don't we have a concert series at the church well that's a fine idea i don't have any problem with the idea right so but yeah. it's yes yeah. now what resources can i get for you so you can do that okay so it's not mm. thank you <laughs> for constant tips and yeah. ideas right? And so I'm testing. I'm actually testing something there, which is: Do you care enough about this idea that you are going to put energy and your own resources into it, or did you just mm. come up with? Yeah, find Throw something that you would like Here's someone to do on your behalf. Here's the ball. Take right? it, because I'm also learning by that. If there's not that intention behind it of actually I really care about this and I want to have see it happen and I will make it happen it doesn't matter if I do it because it's not going to work because it doesn't have the spirit of the congregation of the community behind it right so if that person comes to me and it's like you know hey we should start x yeah what do you need to start that Who would you have on your committee to start that? What kind of resources do you think we need as far as money to start that? How would we fundraise that? What does that look like? Mm. It's not me. I'll help you as far as some project management. I'll help you figure out where some of those, some monies might come from. If you want to run with it, if you're going to run with it, I am, I will be your cheerleader. I'm not doing it I can't mm. do it you know mm. so it's kind of my yeah. <laughs> it's I guess in improv it would be yes and this is like yes yeah. but then <laughs> kind of kind of thing and if they i right. have seen you know a lot of times just the face kind of will fall and it's kind of like oh you're not gonna just do that well I, I can't that's the reality of this but I'll help I'll help you do it I hope you do it. Oh, you don't want to do it. Then there's no further conversation here.
0: Yeah. And then that stops that you talk about eliminating job creep. That just stops that from going anywhere else. And so I love the yes, and theory. And so follow Charlotte. It's not really (laughs) passive aggressive. Have you done the Enneagram?
1: Yes, but I can't remember what I'm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: You and I are different. This is what I know. Yeah, for sure. It's not passive aggressive, but the yes and strategy and then asking a lot of questions. I think asking questions helps get you further down the road sometimes than making statements. And so your yes and, uh, so yes and a question. Yeah. That would actually be a good takeaway. Yes and a question of, oh, hey, so say to me, the say to, we'll role play here. Say to me, the about the concert series or the thing that you wanted to start. Uh,
1: hey i wanted what about if we had a a monthly prayer service evening prayer service it was mostly just like silence and music and and we'll have the youth lead it what about that i've seen other churches do that i think we should do that here
0: (laughs) oh yeah that's a great idea i i think that would be really good for our congregation how can i help you bring something like that about (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah and then you see the face fall and so yeah, that's the but yes you and could the question. Have, you know, the or yes you get the reaction the, yeah.
1: of okay here's what i was thinking you know i was i was thinking that i would get amy and yeah. her kids are in band and the one plays the flute so well so she's gonna do this yep. and, b- and then you're like okay wait this was a full-fledged idea this this wasn't dropping this a, yeah. an assignment in my lap like you're ready to partner and you've got energy yeah okay, let me, I will help you connect. I will help you find some resources, but this is your baby. This is your baby, you know?
0: Yeah. And like you said, I'm championing this. It's the difference between somebody going, like, if you're thinking about it, like food, somebody's like, you know, what sounds really good pizza. And then you're like, yeah, pizza does sound really good. And they're like, so you're going to order it or the difference between somebody going pizza sounds really good. I got flour. I got, I'm trying to think of ingredients to make a pizza right now, Charlotte. And so I'm not, not doing one. I got flour, I got milk, I got cheese, I got the sauce, like, and maybe they need some additional Mm -hmm. pieces to making a pizza, Um, but they're they're actually thought through it. It wasn't just something fired off that you're going to take the load on. And so yes, and a question, yes, and is a good way to tactically, like that's a thing that somebody listening to this podcast can take with them to kind of prevent yeah. additional job creep it, of, and because I think sometimes people struggle with being like, no.
1: Yeah. And you don't want to say, yeah. So don't, you don't have to say no. Right. I mean, that's the uncomfortable part. Right. And, and you I think shouldn't. likewise When you're, you know, if let's say you're in the, an education role or some support staff role at your church, you know, and it's, it's not a lay person coming with an idea. It's your head of staff or whatever. And it's saying, you know, can you add, mm. I- I'd like you to teach this kind of class or something, you know, then, then it's okay. I'd yeah. love to do that. Which one of the current classes do you think I should end, you know, and to talk about, okay, right. all right, I'll do it. I'm, I'm miscooperative, but where are we going to yeah. find the hours for that? Because something, something else is going to have to go away. Mm-hmm. So what you tell me that part. Because I'm, I'm not making that decision either.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And to know that, you would need to know in advance that adding another yeah. class uh-huh. would not work. If you're somebody who's a little less organized like me, I might be like, <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. And then I actually think about it and process it and go, oh, wow, that's
1: Yeah, which that's I think comes much. back to your like, idea like, yes. Yeah. If, if nothing else, guys, like an assessment of – where are your hours going each week, where are your hours going each month? And, you know, take the time each day even to make that kind of log. And then and then go, Oh wow, I'm actually I'm working way more hours than I thought I was, or and or it's this particular project or this particular part of my job, you know, so that you can quantify that too when you're entering these conversations. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well and because this idea I mean it's not like idea came from my wife, Mm -hmm. right? And she's a teacher. And so teachers, when you start to do this, like expect to be a little disappointed or expect to be a little frustrated by how many hours you're putting in that you're not getting paid for. Um and so people outside the church. That's what I mean, teachers. So I think that's a really good practice. And I think I think somebody could, I hope somebody could listen to this conversation and pull some really good stuff from it to be able to do that. So we could talk about this all day, Charlotte. I think we got some really good tactical stuff in there, though. Um, Next piece that I wanted to talk about was creating safe spaces online for your people. Because one of the things that resonated with me is we're calling people. And as as a digital pastor, like calling people to these spaces hey engage with us on facebook engage with us on youtube engage with us on twitter engage with us on blah 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 blah. but then not necessarily helping create safe spaces mm-hmm. within there for people especially women like if we're just going to call it out like especially for women that really resonated with me and it really resonated quietly with people and so publicly people were like yes when when people react to the episode yes let's talk about job creep yes let's talk about this and then like the dms were aflame with the like, ooh, let me tell you about this DM that I got. And I just I heard more creepy stories. There was another viral Twitter thing about a oh, girl yeah. on a date. Did you see that? The video right. where like the guy's like She's like, I'm a big fan of like, seafood. And he's like, I'm uh, ordering
1: you the ribeye. <laughs> like-
0: yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, cool. This is the <laughs> Which is, it feels like a little bit of a microcosm of women's experience online. But let's go tactical on creating online spaces that can be safer for people. Because it is, I mean, it can be a mm-hmm. digital hellscape out there. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's overstating it. Well, and so, yeah, go, go ahead. Just I'm, alleged, I'm, I'm like, clear, there's sorry. part of me that's like just completely
1: a, <laughs> freaking out inside. Because I'm like, I don't know how to fix it. Because I'm not just concerned about yeah. like... Okay, if, if if I'm an organization or my my church or part of the ministries of church, and I have like a Facebook page or a Facebook group, moderating that, controlling yeah. who's in it, I f- I feel like I can create a safe space within the spaces that I can control. It's the fact that yeah. when I'm asking someone to like access my church Facebook page or my church Facebook group that they're going to see or have to come through their Facebook stream newsfeed to get there. And that I cannot control and neither can they now. Right. I mean, Zuckerberg told us Mm. you were going to see more and more content from people and things that you do not follow. And it's not just ads. It's different kind of the algorithm doing some exciting, <laughs> not great things there. Right. But that's where yeah. I see the most, uh, I can control who I'm friends with. I can control who I follow. There's still stuff in my feed that I do not care for and I don't need to see. Right. And that kind of feels like paper cut. So I'm yeah. concerned about that kind of stuff on the Twitter side. Woo, woo! Didn't, you know, uh, little, little, boy got in yeah. there and really, Took away all of my, you know, what I thought was, had a cultivated, safe, I knew who I was with. I got my For You column on Twitter is not for me. It is not for me. It is like Mm. this right-wing Christian nationalist stuff I didn't ask for. So, So that's what I'm kind of thinking about is this idea of, yes, we should be advocating for each other. And- yes we got to step in the breach when people's is being hacked right but i don't want see at the beginning of the pandemic when you know we were we were working to get some of some of our folks online period you know and and it was like oh i don't have facebook you know and i was like oh well i'll show you how and then i was like oh If I had the decision to go back to 2006 and Mm. not get on Facebook, (laughs) yeah, is this something I want to foist on this lady? (laughs) Like, Because she's not just going to see the church stuff. She's going to enter into that world of conspiracy theories and weird yelling and she's never seen a comment section before, you know? And just Mm, what that mm. does to someone spiritually, emotionally, mentally. And I don't know. That's just, I don't have solutions for that. That is just very much on my mind. I I think I kind of overplayed it in the episode as being like, you know, if the space that your church is meeting in isn't safe, you wouldn't go there. But I mean, like you're... You wouldn't invite people into it if there's like a possibility of a roofie leak and live wires or something. But when we're calling people onto things that are even as platforms as benign as like Facebook, we're asking them to navigate some potentially nasty stuff.
0: Yeah, but here's why I don't think you overplayed it, Charlotte. And here's why I'm going with you. (laughs) If you're thinking about inviting someone to a church service and going, hey, alligators in the river that you have to cross. Just, yep. just a heads up. And then there's a pack of roving warlords with AK 47s. When you get there, I don't know there, if Andrew Tate's gonna
1: be there or not. Like when... <laughs> but sometimes he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But look, and and then you might get an ad for something randomly along the road. But on your way, I can't protect oh, yeah. you. But when you get there, there's safety. And And so we wouldn't physically do that. And so I think instead of having solutions for the online conversation, I think we have conversations about the online conversation. And what I mean is you said something really interesting is that I think we do have to teach people that Facebook and Twitter as platforms and the algorithm Mm -hmm. are not benign. The algorithms are malignant in that they are little hate machines that are and it's been documented like i'm not making this up they are looking for content right. to keep you there and 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 for you to share and the things that people share and get excited about mm-hmm. are things that make you upset and are things that oh that are inflammatory and that are things that make mm-hmm. you combative like that even more than joy like you see a cute puppy dog thing, and you're like, "Oh, that's pretty sweet." And that does like drive some content online, and like kind of these these upworthy kind of stories. The things that keep people locked in is just pure old fashioned like hate, like where you're just like Arr! and disgust, and you and you drive it. And so, I think just having the conversation and letting people understand what they're getting into is important. And so, I think I Lee, I've led a trip. To hmm. Liberia before, and Liberia is generally like a pretty safe-ish kind of place, but it is what we would call a third world country. And what people don't think about when it comes to mission trips is, like, in the U.S., it's like, oh, well, just call the police, and it's like there are places in Liberia yeah. where you or can't or where call you the police, don't right? want to call. So them. <laughs> if I'm thinking,
1: about... yeah,
0: right, very good point. And so our host there, Pastor Gianfi, man, he takes care of us. And he knows exactly what's going on. And so I don't want to disparage the country at all. Like it's an amazing place. But when you're taking people somewhere foreign, you want to upfront prepare them for the reality that they're going to face. And when people opt in, great. They understand the risk. They understand what's happening. You still can support them in that. But I think having the conversation upfront of what people are walking into Mm -hmm. is the missing piece because i think people see facebook and twitter mm-hmm. as benign they're just platforms they're like they're like the telephone i have my friend's mm-hmm. phone number and i just call them and there's no there's no malice in that it's just a it's an a to b interaction what um what you're describing is to get from a to b to stay in touch with my friends which is mm-hmm. why most people use facebook especially older users i want to be in touch with my community there's a river there's an algorithm river <laughs> and it's full of dangerous toxic stuff and just having that conversation about what people could be facing i think is is worthwhile yeah
1: yeah it's dangerous toxic and it's time consuming uh, you know i, I even yeah. as focused as i try to be so I'm, not, I'm like oh i have to go make this post you know and then but on the way i had to mm-hmm. cross that feed and there was that story and then yeah. Why am I here? <laughs> either? you know?
0: yeah, totally. Yeah. why did I walk into this room? It's a little bit of that. I I think having the conversation obviously important. I also think creating value and that making sure it's worthwhile for somebody to be there and not just obligatory. Um, like create actual value on these platforms Yeah, so you ask people to be there for sure. But what I would say, and let me speak to men. And cause I, I did a rant. Yeah. I went off on men, especially complimentarian men who are like, I'm going to protect women, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Uh, but something that I think you can do to be an actual like ally and supporter of women in this is to create the conversation and the environment, even if it's not you, where folks can share these bad personal message dm comment bad comment experiences because you have to process that you can't just if somebody came up to you on the street charlotte and was like you're terrible and i hate you and you're not a pastor and quit your job you would like when you came home you'd like call somebody and be like the weirdest thing happened this guy yelled at me on the street and like we have to do the same thing in the digital space but i think for, for many of us, especially women and, and people of color as well, um, it's just like, eh, it's another day at the office, got a creepy DM from a guy who was like, whatever, and you, you don't process it. And I do think creating the kind of safe spaces where folks to be aware of it so that folks can process when they feel like they need to do yeah. that is
1: really And good. to know, you know, that you're experiencing these kind of psychic or spiritual wounds, you know, when you're on these platforms, too. and. That's not something that you're imagining. Like that's, we have research and Mm. statistics about what the algorithm is doing right now. And the, and the rise of, you know, anti-Semitic and racial and misogynistic and homophobic and everything kind of hate that those words are appearing more and more and you're going to stumble on them. And and it's going to hurt. You're going to tell yourself it's it's not and you're yeah. over it and you're fine and I'm fine being a woman in ministry and I am and I know why I am and I feel very affirmed yeah. in that. But those things still give like a little you know, because I saw it and I had to, I had to even, if nothing yeah. else, like refresh my sense of self for a moment to go, no, sure. it's all, I'm fine, yeah. you know, but I'm like, oh God, that guy's, that guy's still out there and he took yeah. A moment out of me took some energy from me still you know yeah
0: and it's a take it's a take Mm -hmm. that's like a thousand paper cuts and a thousand little barriers where it's like even if you have to step over something small yeah it's a barrier in your way and those barriers add up and being very conscious of the barriers regardless that the algorithm creates like being conscious of that, and then some people get fully swept up and just being discipled by the algorithm. Like I would say, I'm going to say something that like okay is a thing. The algorithm it the algorithms on social media are discipling more people than the mm. church, mm. and the algor- people's algorithms on social media are discipling more people than the church, and they're being discipled in the wrong thing because it is not the way of jesus mm. that you're being discipled in it's the mm-hmm. way of jordan peterson it is the way of wolf blitzer it's the way of you know ocasio corte like aoc like sure. i pick liberal pick conservative like pick white national whatever like you, mm-hmm. you know what i'm talking about that's mm-hmm. the thing don't play stupid mm-hmm. you know what i'm talking about you People are being discipled by these algorithms, and we all are, because the purpose is to disciple. The purpose is to take your time. And because what is a disciple? Disciple is a learner. It's somebody who follows a certain way. It's somebody who gets who integrates the teaching and knowledge into their very being. And the thoughts change this interaction changes beliefs which changes behavior, you know, which changes behavior eventually with changes attitudes, which changes the whole thing. And so like these algorithms are discipling people. And so the reason I think we can't pull out from those places is that we got to get people, we got to let people know this. We got to wake people up to this because I don't think people understand that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think the other, another aspect to that to maybe help break some of that cycle too is, you know, the, you know, what different answers you can get to a search query by just the slightest mm. difference in it. I mean, the difference between, you know, yeah. let's say one of your sons wants to is going to a ring dance, right? How do I, how do I ask somebody yeah. out to ring dance? Something sweet like that. And you want, you want them to ask you, yeah. you want them to ask your trusted, respected adults, but sure. let's, you know, something like this, any kid, let's not make it your son. But you know, the difference, yeah. Okay, but the no, difference let's make it between asking Google or the what's probably by the time he's at that age going to be the TikTok or YouTube that question as a search engine. Yeah. of asking kind of, you know, how do I ask a girl out as opposed to why can't I get a date? The answers Ooh. you that's the same question, right? the answers you will get to those questions (laughs) in one of those you've lost your son i mean i'm not that's not kind of a joke okay but if he goes and if he's on youtube and tiktok and that algorithm algorithms got a hold of him and he's got he's in that men go in their own way andrew tate (laughs) incel kind of world of something oh no right he's in the grips of something if he's on that other side and he's got cute, you know, the videos of like these creative ways yeah. of asking, you know, kids to proms and stuff like that. Oh, that's sweet. That's good. Right. Yeah. Um, and so what yeah. do we do as a church to help people ask better questions online too? Right. So Ooh. the one question comes from a place of negativity, right? Of I don't have any worth and I'm expecting that other people don't think I have worth and that this isn't going to work. And I'm kind of, and I'm expecting that women are mean and that they, this is kind of their MO too, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to if I'm preaching, preaching, I hope preaching and teaching, you know, you were created in love to be loved and for loved you know, um, mm. you are worthy and you are good and you are fine, then maybe I can prevent those kinds of questions that are gonna send someone into conspiracy theory and hate and, and it's gonna feed Oof. off of that pain point that he showed there. Cause that's what those folks
0: do. Oof. My goodness. Like you are cooking. That is a sermon. We're cutting that <laughs> thing out. like What I'm in my cutting, no, sorry. I mean, not by cutting it out. I mean, we're like pulling that out as like a, as like a statement because you were cooking because look like, wow, because there are a hundred things to talk about there. But one of the things that I have noticed and having worked with married couples and having worked with a lot of individuals is that. People don't feel like they can ask a real person, so they ask mm-hmm. Pastor Google or they ask Pastor TikTok and they're showing the most vulnerable side of themselves to the algorithm yeah. and they're surrendering they're surrendering something of themselves to the algorithm, thinking mm-hmm. that it's neutral.
1: It's not and
0: it's not neutral. And it, the side that you're talking about is that the church, like be in community with people and help people ask better questions so that you're not the arbiter of certainty. That's not what you're, that's not what you're here to do because in the, cause so many people, Oh my gosh, (laughs) my brain is exploding right now. So many people in this like AI chat GPT era are like, well, we're not going to have any jobs. We're not going to have this. And what does the internet mean? And what, what does that mean? It's not about certainty. It's about asking better questions, teaching people to ask the right questions and being curious and all that is so critical. And so, by pouring love, I mean, love obviously foundational to that, but being accessible and relational to people so that they're not alone and go down this, re- the algorithm leads them down like this hellscape. hellscape yeah, is it probably is. The I right don't, work. yeah, Dumpster that's not hyperbole like, at all. I mean, I think yeah.
1: so. I mean, ideally, you want to have built that place of relational authority where you know people are coming to you with those kinds of questions because Mm -hmm. you're gonna give they know you're going to give an answer that is in partnership with them that's looking out for their best interest Mm -hmm. and that you're going to be vulnerable with them in that space right that's the ultimate thing and and because you know as a pastor when people come my almost first Response to somebody with, you know, a deep question or a theological question is kind of why, why do you want to know that? Like, what's going on if I don't know, mm-hmm. right? And it's not that the substance of my answer is yeah. going to change. But let's say it's a, a young person again, why do dogs go yeah. to heaven? Okay, the way I'm going to address that mm-hmm. is going to be different if that kid's dog has just died. As opposed to, you know, an abstract discussion that I'm having with some Dominicans or something, you know, and we're going to be open and honest and talk through it. But Google does not care (laughs) what else you're going through and what else is happening, you know, and it's not going to filter that feed toward your mental, emotional, spiritual needs and take care of you as a whole person. And that's why chat gbt yeah. is not gonna step in to that break because it can
0: yeah right oh gosh you say so <laughs> many smart things it's so good well because it's like at least well i mean okay let's take it back i've heard the and i don't want to make light i okay. actually i do i do want to make light 40 years ago we didn't need joe rogan because everybody had a stoner older brother that like somebody had like it's he's somebody's like stoner older brother with like crazy theories that you would like sit in his room with like blue lights and just like he's smoking pot and he's just like man what if man what if the aliens were in charge of it all and if you do mushrooms you're like Mm -hmm. getting a higher consciousness like Mm -hmm. the dirtbag older brother right that's kind of what it was but at least even if you didn't have reliable people in your life you would generally know their bias. And so if you asked a question or were seeking advice, you would Mm -hmm. know where they were trying to take you. And you could see that. And with the social media Mm -hmm. algorithms, you don't know that. You you don't know Mm. what they're trying to do. You can't understand their bias, but it's built in because if it's built by humans, it's built with bias. And Mm -hmm. that's just reality. And so people of color, come on, you guys know what I'm talking about. We get cropped out of photos or we don't show up in search results or whatever. Like there's a bias in the algorithm because it's all created by humans and all of that. Man. Charlotte, I could talk to you forever, we should probably, we're at an hour, so we should probably get to a point, well, good news, okay. let's do this every other <laughs> week, and let's talk about the episode and dive deeper in it. That sounds really good. A little okay. light stuff at the end. I'm going to actually address a question that we had, Nitsa, one of my friends, Nitsa, who's awesome, asks, why do bad things happen to good people? And so this actually connects to the AI question and the algorithm mm. question that we were just talking about, in that... There's nothing about this world that is not humanity has not baked in the, the, the sinful nature of humanity is baked into this world we live in generation after generation, after generation, and it is a fallen imperfect world. So the short answer, why do bad things happen to good people? Because life is not fair and this world sucks. Um, And it just does. And really that question is often why hasn't? And to your point about context, because this is a perfect jump off. Why hasn't God protected me from the bad stuff that happens? Because right. I think I'm trying to do good. That that's more often that question. And my response is usually like, "Let's talk about the stuff. Like, let's just sit in it for a second and blah blah blah." Uh, I say no, no, like that was so flippant. But let's sit in it for a second and talk about it. But. There's not a satisfying Mm -hmm. answer to why those things happen besides the general misery of the human experience. And the reason we ask that question, I think, is the church has an anemic theology Mm -hmm. of suffering because suffering does not equate to Mm -hmm. a lack of morality. And that's why it's, it's not just why do bad things happen? The question is, why do bad right. things happen to good people? And that becomes a moral question. And the implication underneath the question is, is this un- this belief that we shouldn't suffer if we're good. And that is not the philosophy or teaching right. of Jesus in Christianity. Jesus was the best. He was good and he suffered a great deal. And in fact said, if you follow me and are good, yeah. you're probably going to suffer, and so I think this anemic theology of suffering that the, that the church is and you can call it the prosperity gospel, but I hear a lot of teachers that equate, "If you do good, God will bless you."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Period." And it, it's baked into so much of our theology, and that has us it, talk about the algorithm, that that baked inness. Right, Jesus said, Be care, "Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, because yeast is baked mm. into the bread, and you can't taste it." The same way, this yeast of being good should equal blessing is just not the way of Jesus. And so, this anemic theology of suffering is causing people to walk away from the church because it's not true. Uh, being good. And I can understand why people ask the question, because you're like, I'm being good, just like the pastor said. I'm being good, just like X, Y, and Z, and bad things keep happening to me. And so the experience of reality doesn't match up with the experience of our teaching. And that's an anemic theology of suffering. So we got to do better. Yeah.
1: I think that question also has an intersection with a theology of justice, too, because it's not just why are bad things happening to me or to good people? It's why are these bad people prospering? All around me, why mm. are the poor getting poor and the rich are getting Ooh. richer? This is not. This is not what we signed up for, you know. But, but you're. I mean, you, yeah, you, you're completely right. I mean, that's not. That's not. Our scripture and our the, our faith describes a world that is broken. Yeah. So you know the idea of looking for mm. a system that is fair here isn't. It, That ain't it. But then also, you know, like you said, that's not what Jesus told any of us to expect. You know, the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous alike and things just happen and Mm -hmm. good grief, go read Ecclesiastes and and get real emo with that guy for a little while but uh you know right. i mean it's just <laughs> and Hang- and you know want you want to resist and you did beautifully the idea of just kind of like it's a mystery or something it's not that god is here and god yeah. is with us and god is with us in the midst of suffering because god has shared that suffering with us but yeah, yeah it's kind of it's it's vanity but we have each other we have each other and yeah oh gosh yeah this world
0: I would I would argue that one of the unique aspects of Christianity is that yeah. we have a suffering savior. We have we have someone who has experienced all the deep suffering and mm-hmm. is with you in your suffering. And when you are close to him that that offers some deep some deep condolence and some deep ability to process that kind of grief, yeah. which is really cool. And I love, I love what you talked about. of like, why are the, why are the bad people so successful? Like we're seeing all this evil and it seems to be moving people forward. And it's like, oh boy, like that, that's a whole other, that's a whole other episode of what that is. Charlotte, Maggie has joined us. You're wonderful. Ewok cat. You guys didn't get to see that on the thread, but. Thank you for doing this. I think this was really good. I think we gave, I hope I we hope gave so I people do. stuff.
1: And, and if not, come argue, Come find us, come fight helpful. me. I'm kidding. Come, but come to the Facebook yeah. group, come yeah. to the Facebook Whoa. group or find us on Twitter and ask us your other questions or, or tell yeah. us we're wrong about something. Yeah. I've, I've been wrong before and yes. we'll, uh, we'll we'll continue the conversation. This isn't over. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I've been wrong on this on this podcast. Like this ep- episode I've been wrong, I'm sure. And so please, we want to hear not just your questions, yeah. but we want to hear your ideas too. I would love for you Spotify has ability where you can Ooh. send like a voice message. <sighs> Like, send a voice message. That's cool. Engage us on Twitter. We would play your voice messages on the show. We Yeah, we would do all that stuff. And join the Facebook group, Better on the Inside. It's a cool group. It's Facebook. Yeah. As we're inviting people (laughs) to the hellscape of Facebook. Just don't go to Facebook. Go to, is Maggie joining us?
1: That's why the monitor keeps moving around. She's sleeping against it. Yeah.
0: Oh, she heard, she heard me and was like, oh, it's my buddy. I don't know why she gets bitey when she hears my voice. The, uh, just go to facebook.com slash group slash better on the inside and avoid the hellscape that is your newsfeed. That group is truly the mm. one of the only reasons I'm on Facebook. Just a lot of cool people and a lot of good stuff going on there. And so next week, we will have a regular episode of Better on the Inside. It's a chat with Sarah Steiff who is wonderful and she's just released a book that you can buy that we'll tell you more about. And then the week after that, you, you're getting, you're going to get some weekly wow. better on the inside right now. Little, little after. Yeah. You're going to get not just better on the inside, but then an after better on the inside with myself and Charlotte as my co-host and not always my guest, but as a co-host as well. Uh, anything that you no, want to say No, thanks for folks, listening
1: and looking forward to having more conversations. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thanks for joining us. We love you guys. Take care of yourselves.